Take those words that you have just sung with a praise team and make them your own. You know Jesus. You know what he's done for you, and more importantly, you believe it, and it is real. We don't keep it to ourselves. As we heard last week about the meaning of life with Epiphany, we are called to be a people who shine that light into the darkness of the world and the lives around us. So go and shout it, and go and scream it, and go and tell it. Give others the gift that you have, the gift of the unconditional love of the one who is our Savior, the light of the world, Jesus. So over the uh, 11 years we have been here, many of you have uh, you know, gotten to know me through a variety of things, whether it's classes you've taken from me and I, I use life illustrations, whether it's preaching and I bring some kind of you know, illustration of my life in. But one of the things maybe you have noticed and maybe not is I love water. And by the way, not just bringing it up here and drinking it when I get a dry mouth. I love the water, and it's been from uh, the very early days of my life, whether it was in our neighborhood there in Gainesville, you know, uh, swimming in the creek, um, you know, swimming in the pond uh, with alligators, or the lake with more alligators. It was just what we did. Every summer, we had spent probably at least three weeks of summer camping on, you know, the coast up in the Panhandle to uh, Manatee Springs and... It was always around water. Swimming in pools, surfing. Water has always been a vital and an important thing to me. And I believe one of the main reasons is, is when I'm by the water, even sometimes here on a, a long, hard day, or you know, I'm running between appointments, I'll actually stop as I'm driving over here at Lake Myona. And just get in a position where I can just look out over the water and the beauty of God's creation because it is there in the presence of that water that I find peace, tranquility. And I have a feeling that for most of you sitting here today, there is some truth to that. And it shows up in a variety of ways. It may be that you love to take walks on the beach and to look out over the expanse and the beauty of the water there. Maybe it's when you're on a cruise and you go and you look out over the horizon on that blue, blue water and nothing else is there but God's creation from the sky to that water of the ocean. Or maybe in a place like the villages where now, what is there, some 60-plus pools? And how many of I, you, know, you I hear say you know, that you know, one of your regular uh, activities or ways of exercise, but I think of restoration, is in that water? Yes, indeed. I, like many of you, love the water because there I find peace. And thinking about that peace in the water leads us here to our baptism to the water in the font or the lake or wherever it was that you were baptized but it leads us to that water where we found true peace and true tranquility why 
let's talk about what happens there in our baptism. Because here, in our baptism, we receive God's promise of the Holy Spirit. That we're not trying to figure out God on our own. We're not trying to come to Him on our own. But He comes to us. He enables us that we can respond to Him and have faith and trust in Him. It is here in the waters of our baptism that He claims us. He marks us. He christens us as His own. He adopts us as His daughters and as His sons. It is here in our baptism that you and I, we are set apart. We are truly the called out ones. And that word, that teaching, literally comes from the word church. The called out ones. And as such, we are set apart for a purpose. And that gives a little reference then to last week's sermon and you know, its theme of the meaning of life. And it is here, in our baptism, that according to our reading from Romans, verse 11, that we are made alive to God through Christ. Made alive. That's what really matters most, isn't it? Not, um, you know, life that we're given where, you know, it's spent with you know, family, it's not a life where we find our, our meaning and, you know, made alive to work a job, even though I love what I do and I'll work the hours it takes, but that's not it. It's not just recreating and enjoying the pleasures and the beauty and all of that. And by the way, all of that is a gift from God, but it is not the most important life that we've been called to. As the Lord says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. But my dear friends, in faith, through Christ, our text, verse 6, six says, our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. Gone. Alive to God in Christ. It's like we've had an organ transplant. I remember when Martha was staying at the Gabriel house in Jacksonville during her treatment, and most of the people in uh, that residential facility there by Mayo Hospital were there for organ transplants. And I remember some of the conversations we had, and I remember watching even their faces and all, and when they got those transplants, they would honestly say, life is different. My friend, that's how it should be with us in our baptism. We are not the same. We are no longer to continue in our own old sinful ways. In our baptism, in those refreshing waters, as Galatians 3 says... You who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. This morning, 8 o'clock service, I wear a robe. Yesterday for the uh, funeral uh, service for uh, Paul's mom, I wore a robe. 
And when I do, sometimes people still say, Pastor, why do you wear that robe? And no, it's not because I'm holier than you. You know me better than that. <laughs> it's because it's a reminder that we, by faith, have been clothed with the righteousness, the holiness of Christ. And as a pastor, a shepherd, as that word translated from Latin means, that I am that representative of the shepherd as an under-shepherd. But you and I in our baptism have received that robe of righteousness. We are no longer the same. And yet the battle continues. We struggle with our own sinful flesh, our desires. We battle with Satan and all of his temptations that he throws at us and that this world throws at us. His lies that say things like, oh, it doesn't really matter. Oh, no, God didn't really say that. You know, we heard that one with Adam and Eve, right? And the lies, they, they continue. You know, God didn't say that, or that doesn't apply now, that doesn't apply to you. Or how about the Roman Christians that Paul is addressing in our reading who said, Grace? Great! May we go on sinning that grace may abound? It's like they thought they got a license to keep doing what they were doing, and for that matter, let's do more of it. But he gives a very emphatic answer. No. The battle is real. You and I still have this tug of war with sin, even though we are clothed in the righteousness of Christ in our baptism. As Romans 7.15 says, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate... I do. That's the battle that we have still between us being saint, forgiven, redeemed in faith in Christ, and that battle we have between still dealing with our own sinful flesh and this world and Satan's attacks. It's kind of like this. You take a shower every day, well, I hope so. <laughs> you take a shower every day and you wash off the dirt and the, you know, the filth and whatever it is that you happen to be in, but you, know, you go out and through the day, the reality is, is you're picking up the dust and you're picking up the germs and you're picking up you know, all of this and you need to take a bath again to wash it away. Likewise, that is why we daily should repent, turn from our sin, and turn back to the Lord in His way. It is why daily we must return to the waters of our baptism. I don't know if you know this or not, but did you know that baptism replaced circumcision in the Old Testament? Circumcision was that covenant, that sign that God made between man, his people, and himself. But in the New Testament, that 
covenant, that commitment of God was changed and it went to baptism. And I love how the reality is this, that, by the way, it is not a contract. It's not 50-50. And as long as you and I do our part, God's going to keep his part. He's going to keep loving us and keep forgiving us. No. With a covenant, it's 100%, 100%. Even if, even though you and I fail. God is bound to you and to me, and he will not let us go. It is a commitment that claims us. It is a commitment through which he forgives us, and he makes us alive through Christ. Psalm uh, 46 has uh, some words that, at least to me, seem to point to this. Listen to these words. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. Now listen to verse 4. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Now, I do not believe in all honesty that the author of this psalm meant it to refer to baptism, but I have to tell you that every time I read these words, every time I hear these words, they send me running to my baptism. They send me running to the waters there where he claimed me, he redeemed me, he forgave me. For there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. And that is true of your baptism and mine. For God is there in his word and in the element of the water, and there he gives us his spirit, and there he brings us to faith, and there he washes away our sin. Incredible, right? In our baptism, we are dead to sin, but alive in Christ. But you and I, we still fall daily prey to our old sinful nature, and to all the schemes and plans of Satan. So then, how do God's people continue to live in this world? How do we live in this world, but not let the world take over our lives? How do we live now since we are dead to sin, drowned, buried with Christ in baptism? Good questions. It's a matter of re-emerging to new life. So back to the water. When I was about 13 or 14, I was blessed to have one of those weeks that I got to spend with my best friend Stevie Arujo and his family at their uh, beach house over in Crescent Beach by St. Augustine. 
When we were young, my brother Steve and I, we, we learned to surf by our oldest brother's friends, and, and that kind of continued well into at least my teens. And one day, Steve and I were out surfing, and along uh, the Atlantic coast in that area, there are sandbars, and they kind of shift and move based on you know, the tides and the rip currents and so forth. And one day, after a nice ride, I went in the water, you know, whether I fell in or lost my balance or whatever it was. And, and often I would hit the bottom, you know, I have still scars on my hips from scraping across the, the sandbars, but that time my head hit first. You know that feeling when you really hit your head hard and you actually, hard and you actually taste it in your mouth? And, and those stars in your, you know something's wrong. I have no idea how long I was out, but I praise God and remember when I re-emerged and took a great big gasp of breath. I may have had a uh, nice cut on my forehead, but I was alive. My dear friends, that is very much what happens in baptism. In baptism, we dive into the depths and we re-emerge again to breathe fresh air. We've died to sin and we are brought back to new life in and through Christ. So this morning, after I practiced and, you know, edited my message a little bit in here. I stayed in here and I prayed for our worship today. I prayed for you. And my prayer today was that this would not be like your other New Year's resolutions. You know what I mean. It's the 12th day of the new year and last night you had two pieces of cake. And you said to yourself, well, I'll try again next year. <laughs> but instead, you get back up and you start all over again right then, right there. Go back, my friends, to your baptism. Go back to what God has done for you and he continues to do for you. Begin anew. Again, verse 4, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. I love water. I love the water of holy baptism, my baptism, your baptism. For there we find true and eternal refreshment to begin anew. Amen. And now may the